for many, this will be not in your lifetime. For many of us, it will only be something that we've learned, not experienced. For maybe just a few, you will have lived through it. On June 6, 1944, General Dwight D. Eisenhower gave the final go. for the troops to begin their assault on the beaches of Normandy to begin to rid Europe of the scourge of Nazism and the manic hatred of Hitler. On the anniversary of that landing, President Reagan spoke at Pointe de Hoc. And with him were some of the men who survived the landing. Behind him were the row of white crosses of all who lost their lives. It may be unimaginable to us the great courage it took for those men and women to assault the beaches that day, but not just by sea. Those who also paratrooped in, those who glided in, It's amazing how great and how strong human courage can be when there's a cause for which we fight. But it's not just the beaches of Normandy that require great courage. It's a different kind of thing, but it's great courage that is demanded nonetheless to serve our Lord and be a Christian today. Tony did an excellent job this morning talking about the sovereignty of God. It's unimaginable the courage that it took for those Old Testament heroes to have the faith they did to accomplish what they did. It's equally unimaginable for us to try to put our arms around the great courage that it took for those of New Testament times and the martyrs who gave their life because of one simple thing. They were giving their life for the Lord. 
And I would suggest to you today that in 2023, it takes no less courage today than it did in 1944 for people who are Christians to be able to to stand today. You know, in the world, it's not unusual for religion to be categorized, pigeonholed, in the category of those who are, who are wimps, those who are not very strong, those who might be sissies. And so, if you're going to be a strong man, then you don't need religion. But I would suggest to you, it takes a great deal of strength. It takes a great deal of manliness to be a Christian. Whenever we are attempted, when an attempt is made for us to join in with our peers, to participate in things that they participate in, to go places they go, to talk like they talk, to watch what they watch. It takes no strength at all to say yes. It requires no strength at all to go along with the crowd. But to be able to say no, knowing that when we say no, there's going to be a response that's not going to be pleasant, that takes great strength and that takes great courage. Christians are going to be called upon today to have the kind of courage that it took for those men and women to make the assault in 1944 to address the infamy of Nazism and the slaughter of human life as though it was a disposable commodity. But why did those people do that? Why those people do that? They did that because they had faith. They had faith in the cause. They had faith in their leaders. And they had faith in the plan their leaders had designed. And they had faith in their training that equipped them to be able to perform under times of great duress as the soldier or soldier they were going to be as as to, as to be. They had great faith in those who were going to lead them. I would suggest to you, it's that kind of faith that we're going to need today to have that kind of courage. It's that kind of faith in our leader, Jesus Christ. It's that kind of faith in the plan he designed. It's that kind of faith in being equipped by shepherds to be able to be the soldiers of the cross that we will be called to be whenever we are threatened by the adversary to be able to stand. And being able to stand, to be able to defeat the adversary. The first thing I would suggest to you that we think about that courage comes from faith. Courage comes from faith in myself. Courage comes from faith in myself. Let me explain what I mean by that. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, 
the Apostle Paul will warn against having too high opinion of ourselves. And notice he's warning against having too high opinion of ourselves, not to think too highly of ourselves. But the foundation of that is, is that first of all, we have to think highly of ourselves. We have to think highly of ourselves before we can think too highly of ourselves. We've all seen, we've all been turned off by the egotist who has no sensitivity for the value of other people whatsoever. But we've also seen, and maybe this is more us than the egotist, we've also seen the person or persons who do not highly value themselves as well. And when they talk about themselves, the language they use to describe themselves shows they have no belief in themselves whatsoever and they have no value placed in themselves at all. We will be called upon to have a great faith in ourselves, to have the kind of faith that will produce the kind of courage to be able to stand up against our bosses, to be able to stand up against our peers, to be able to stand in our employment, to be able to stand against those who would administrate in high places. What is wickedness? To be able to stand. We sing a song, stand up, stand up for Jesus. We need the kind of courage that comes from the faith in ourselves that we will be able to stand and have that faith in proportion to the kind of faith and courage those people had in 1944. I will have the kind of courage I need in proportion to the kind of faith that I have. And if my faith in myself is such that I have no value, no regard for myself, and I view myself as not being strong enough to be able to stand up to any of the adversaries or be able to stand up to those who would assault or stand up to those who would tempt. Then I don't have the courage. I don't have the courage to be able to be victorious. Courage comes from faith in myself. Now the caveat is, that doesn't mean that we place an egotistical value on ourselves that says we are higher and we are stronger and we're better than God. It simply means that we recognize the value that God has for us that we're created in his image and that he values and loves us and created us not to be, created us not to be something less than the zenith of his creation, but created us to be the height of his creation. Sometimes we say, well, I'm just people, and it's kind of like I'm just one level above a dog. I know people are people. We need to let people be people to have their own personalities. But when we say we are people, we're not saying that we're one level above a dog. We're not saying we're a level above a worm. What we're saying is we are at the apex. We're at the zenith. We're the height of all that God created. All that God created, he created so that his creation, man, could be able to live on this earth and sustain himself and be successful. All the days of creation were about adjusting this earth so man could inhabit this earth and live and be successful. And so we need, first of all, to have faith in ourselves, to have the kind of courage that we need to be able to stand up. Now, if I don't have that kind of faith, I'm not going to have that kind of courage. I will realize that when I say this, there are conditions. 
that are legitimate and that exist where there are medications that are needed to be able to overcome anxieties, stresses, and depressions. I realize there are some human conditions where there is medication that is necessary for that. But when it's a case of the blues, when it's the case that I just simply get down on myself and all things being equal, I'm healthy, I'm mentally healthy, I'm emotionally healthy, and I just get down on myself, I just defeat myself by the way I talk about myself, I'm not going to have the courage I need to have. And so, faith in myself produces the kind of courage I need. Second of all, it's faith in others. I need the faith in others as well. Tony again mentioned Daniel. He mentioned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can I, can I be like Paul? Can I, can I be the kind of man Abraham was? Can a woman be like Esther, like Lydia? Can a couple be like Aquila and Priscilla? Can we be like Job? I wonder sometimes if when we read about these Bible characters, if we don't walk away with the image, they're little figurines that can be set on our hearth for us to admire, that they really are so far distant from us, we just only hear about them, we're not really sure they lived. Those people who lived under those circumstances lived in their circumstances just like we live in our circumstances. They walked, they talked, they breathed, they had their problems, they had their challenges, just like we do. They were real living people. And as real living people, they were able to have faith in others that enabled them to be courageous. So when we read about stories like Joseph, here's this young man that has been taken, taken as, as a slave, bought from the slave market because his brothers despised him because he was his father's favorite. And at every step of the way, he is stomped on, stomped on, stomped on, and lied about. And finally, when he had the opportunity, a 17-year-old young boy would relish of the world for a woman to make an advance to him who was a woman of great power. He said this, I can't do this and sin against God. It didn't require a miracle for him to do that. Did Joseph do something that day that we can't do today? That when some kind of moral sin is put before us that we can't say, I can't sin against God by doing this? Do we have the kind of faith Joseph had to have the kind of courage Joseph had? And I go back to those men that, that were in the book of Daniel again that, that, that Tony mentioned. Nebuchadnezzar's taking these four young boys that are probably around the ages of 14 to 16 years old. And he's ripped them away from any society, any world they've ever known. And their parents were still living, he ripped them away from their parents. And now he's taking them back to Babylon and is going to rename them so he can re-reboot them. And rebooting them, now they speak Babylonian and they talk Babylonian and they behave like Babylonians. But instead, Daniel says no. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said no. And then you had, here is 
the sovereign of Babylon, as Tony said, who recognized their God. Do we not see that when people see us, they'll recognize God? But you know, it's not just faith in others that we talk about from the Bible. Think with me just a moment. Do you have those kind of people in your life? Do you have those kind of people in your life that were Paul-like, Joseph-like, Abraham-like, Esther-like, Aquila, Priscilla-like? Do you have those kind of people like that? What do those kind of people do for you? What do they do for us? Those kind of people help ennoble us. They help give us great courage because they have demonstrated their faith, our faith in others, can enable us to have the courage that we need. Had the troops not had the confidence in their commanding officers like Bradley and like Eisenhower and like Patton and like Montgomery, had they not had the confidence they needed in their leaders, in others, they would not have been able to perform as they perform when asked to do so. See, local churches just help us feel with people. That we see who walk by faith and they're successful in the life of faith and seeing them, we can draw great faith and courage from them. The third, I want you to see it also comes from faith other people have in us. Turn with me to Acts chapter 28 for this. Acts chapter 28. We're familiar with the fact that Paul wanted to go to Rome. And we're familiar with the fact that Paul winds up in Rome a lot different than he might have thought he would wind up in Rome. I don't think when Paul first dreamed of going to Rome that he had in mind he would go as a prisoner to face a ruthless ruler. But notice what happens in Acts chapter 28 and verses 14 and 15. When we found the brethren, I back up to verse 11. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers which had wintered at the island and landed at Syracuse, and we stayed there three days. There we were circled around and reached Regium, and after one day, the south wind blew, and the next day we went to Toli, where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came, they came to meet us as far as the Piforum and three ends. And notice, when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Paul has been sailing for three months and three plus months now to get to Rome. And now that he begins to approach Rome and people hear he's coming and to get to a pie forum from Rome, it was about 52 miles and to get from three taverns, it was about 30 miles, 30 miles. They didn't have gasoline engine vehicles to ride in. They didn't have bicycles to ride on. They are walking those 52 miles or riding on a beast of burden to get there because they have heard that Paul is coming and Paul has landed. 
52 miles and 30 miles they traveled. And notice what Paul says again. He says, when he saw them, when he saw them, he took courage. What does that mean? Paul was ennobled with courage because of faith others had in him. What these people are saying to Paul, when they finally meet him, is they're saying, Paul, we've heard, we've heard you're coming. And Paul, we believe in you. We're so glad to see you. They wrapped their arms perhaps around him and embraced him because they believed in him. I would suggest we need that kind of thing today too. This is not the go back to school sermon. I've been asked several times, editorial comment, that will be next Sunday morning. But I am going to make a back to school kind of note here. We are so blessed, it's quite obvious in this congregation, to have a great number of young people. And these young people have some faults. They have some flaws. They make mistakes in their lives. But that's not what they need to hear. They know about those, and their parents will remind them about those. And their friends will remind them about those. What these young people need, and what I needed when I was young, is we need somebody to come out and meet them like they did a pie for them in three taverns. They need somebody to say, I believe in you. Instead of being critical of young people, let's encourage them, tell them, I believe in you. You can be a Joseph. You can be a Daniel. You can be a Shadrach, Meshach, and go. You can, be, you can be a Timothy. You can be a young person who makes a difference in this world. And we believe in you. We believe you can do that. But let me say something else. There's another category of people that often gets overlooked. Because we do pay a lot of attention to our young people here, and justly so. No apology for that. But we have some among our elderly, among our, our legacy people there, among our senior saints. And they need to also know. They need to know from the younger people. Just as the older people need to tell the, the younger people, I believe in you. The younger people need to go tell these older people, I'm so glad to see you today. I believe in you. Thank you for being here. You give me great courage because I see your faith. So instead of just letting our older people just kind of pass out the door on their walkers or just kind of limp out, bent over, we might walk up to them and say, thank you for being here. Thank you for your life. You give me great courage. If we have a group of people that spend their time like they did with Paul and they see us coming and they thank God and draw courage from us as opposed to drawing back, wincing, and pulling in and running away when they see us coming. If we have a group of people that goes forward like that, there's nothing that can stop us because we have faith that is drawn, that produces courage from others. We need that. We need that. I need that. Is that something impossible to do? Does it require inspiration to do that? It is something every one of us can do. But notice, Paul saw them thank God 
and was correct, had great courage because of it. And then fourth and finally, we need faith in the future to have the kind of courage that we have. Those people on June 6th that assaulted Normandy knew they were going into waters that had booby traps in them and devices in them that were designed for one reason, to take their life. Those who launched that day and the first to land on shore were well aware of the price they were going to pay. And they were the first wave that came through. And the majority of them lost their lives. Why did they do that? Because they were looking to a time where there could be a future of freedom. Of people who have been imprisoned, people who have been enslaved, and people who have been treated like garbage. They believed there was a great future. And the future they believed in has come true. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Are we aware of the fact there's a future coming in which every grave that is occupied now will be empty? Every loved one that we have that is entombed in this earth, that place they rest will be empty? Look at verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I wish I had the powers of vocabulary and ability to be able to explain that to you better than the Holy Spirit did. And I wish I could tell you I understand that. I don't. But I believe it. I believe in that kind of future. I don't know what it's going to be like to have that kind of body. I don't know what it's going to be like to be transformed immediately, instantly like that if we're still here. But I believe it. And I have faith in that future. Turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. Look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Beloved, we are now children of God. And it's not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know when he is revealed, we shall be like him. But we shall see him as he is. I don't understand that. I can't explain that. But I believe it. I believe in that kind of future. John will talk about in his revelation. The time in the future where there'll be no more death, no more crying, and no more tears. There's not going to be more phone calls at 2 or 3 in the morning. And it gives you 
a chill from head to toe when you see the caller ID because you are just pretty sure when you pick up the phone the news is not going to be good. That phone call won't happen because there will be no more tears, no more death, no more crying, no more suffering. Every grave will be unoccupied. We shall see him and be as he is. And we will, be surrounded around, we will be surrounded around the throne where there's no crying, no tears, but all there is is shouting and singing, praise to the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. That's what heaven's going to be like. I can't explain that to you. I don't understand that. But I believe it. If we did not have that kind of faith and that kind of future, then what we're doing here today and what we're doing in our lives is futile. We are all men most pitiable because we have given up all the things the world values to be able to have things that God values. If we didn't have that kind of faith and that kind of future, why be here? Why occupy our time with spiritual things? Let's move on to something else. Because then there's no escape the grave. And we'll be just like that dog rover. We'll be dead all over, and that'll be the end of it. No. We have faith in that kind of future, and it gives us courage. Do you see, do we see, we need the same kind of courage those people had on June 6, 1944? That we need that kind of courage today as we go about living our lives, our everyday lives. Sometimes our everyday, mundane lives. We live our lives every day and we need that kind of courage. But that kind of courage comes from faith in ourselves. It comes from faith in others. It comes from faith that others have in us. And it comes from faith in the future. The question for me that I have to ask, and the question you have to, for you, you have to ask. Do I have that kind of future day? See, they were dying for freedom. And they were dying for freedom from me and you. And they were dying as the prayer was led this morning so we could, we could assemble like this with freedom of assembly in a nation that allows us to do that. But we are giving ourselves and dying for eternal freedom. That's what we, that's what we have at stake. Do we have that kind of faith have that kind of courage. You know, it takes a great deal of courage when we ask someone to come forward to be baptized for the mission of their sins in front of a group of, of 300 plus people. But people are moved to do that because they have that kind of faith in the Lord. And they have that kind of faith in His plan. And they have that kind of faith that He will fulfill what His Word promises. And so we invite. We invite people to come to Him. We invite people who realize they're lost and they know they are enslaved, they're in bondage, and they want to be free, ultimate freedom, to be washed and freed by the blood of Christ. And so, if you have that need this morning and your courage will move you because you have that kind of faith in the Lord, then please come while we stand and while we sing. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. 
questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.